Finding high-quality mental health care can be daunting and exhausting. That's why Cerebral offers convenient access to online mental health services, including therapy and medication management. Cerebral's diverse clinician team can help with anxiety, depression, insomnia, stress, grief, big life changes, and more. You can schedule and communicate with your care team through Cerebral's mobile app and attend your sessions from the comfort of your own home. Get started with or without insurance. Plus, you can now use FSA or HSA. Start your first month for 50% off at Cerebral.com slash ACAST. Welcome to Cover Your Eyes. Today we're talking about the movie Rosemary's Baby from 1968. Hello, Sarah. Hi, Holly. Well, what did you think about (laughs) Rosemary's Baby? Mm. What's your history with Rosemary's Baby? Oh, my goodness. And do you still Um, like me even though I suggested this movie? I do. I still like you. I associate you with this movie anyway. So. <laughs> oh I definitely remember watching it at your house. Uh-huh. That's like the only time I ever watched it. I don't know how old we were, but young. Single digits, maybe. That's the huge. Or maybe yeah. 10. When I think of this movie in my mind, like up until rewatching it, I just picture like darkness. Mm-hmm. And like a woman who's small and scared and vulnerable, and she's always in the dark. And then there's just like the ending, this creepy ending where she approaches the cradle and has to confront the terror of the creature that she made. And that's like the whole movie for me, as I remember it, like from childhood. Yeah. I don't really remember any, like I knew there was a cult. I remembered like a cult and like scary people around her, but mm-hmm. I kind of forgot about their amazing apartment that was really like filled with light and all of the other people around her. I forgot all of that and like about her husband. Like the main thing in my mind was just like her scared alone in the dark and then just like terror at the end. What about you? Well, I've seen this movie probably every two or three years. Oh, wow. I watch it. It's one of my favorite movies. I know this movie is directed by a convicted rapist. Um, Child rapist. Yes. I am not going to talk about that today. There's millions of people that talk about it on the internet. You just have to separate it sometimes, I guess. It's terrible but it was a long time ago and I guess it doesn't detract from like the quality of the film this was made before that even happened also I was remembering that he is the one who was married to Sharon Tate and she was like brutally murdered so then I'm like maybe he had some kind of weird trauma and I can use that as part of an explanation I'm not excusing anything that he did but I'm just wondering if that played into it at all but I think he literally just loved young girls and admitted to it and didn't hide it and took advantage of this one specifically. And it was a terrible thing. But, um, I think five more women have accused him. Yeah. It's rarely just one, right? Mm -hmm. There's one like super prominent one, but 
we've already, we saw this movie as children before we knew any of that stuff that had happened or before right. we realized it. And so we're just revisiting it. But yeah, that's a whole other topic. Yeah. I'm not going to talk about it. Okay. God. I'm not going to talk about it either. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of funny that in the movie, they're like talking about the dark history of this building. And then now it really does have a dark history, which it probably, aside from John Lennon being assassinated outside of it, it probably already had other dark history too, because it's very old and it's in New York. So <laughs> I'm sure there are like other real scenarios that occurred there. Yeah. I should look into that for like a bonus. How about that? What are your movie memories? Like, what did you think of it as a kid? I wasn't afraid of Satan stuff as mm-hmm. a kid because my mom didn't believe in Satan and she always made fun of it. Like anytime people were like, oh, that's satanic or like, oh, you know, Satan's going to get you or whatever. Like she just kind of like mocked it. So I grew up thinking it was silly. So like this movie is super fucking scary, but not because of the satanic cult. I think it's terrifying the way that everybody tells a woman a grown woman, what she can and cannot do with her body on a moment to moment basis. I don't know. My memories of this, I guess it's like kind of hard for me to pinpoint my memories of it as a kid, because Mm -hmm. I guess I liked it enough as a kid to keep rewatching it. Because I've watched, I seriously probably watched it like every few years since I was a kid. So I've seen Mm -hmm. this movie a lot. I think the cinematography is amazing. The acting is brilliant. John Cassavetes is like glorious as a completely self-absorbed, fame-hungry man who is so out of touch with other people's emotions that he thinks that it's okay to sacrifice his wife's body and mind so that he can get her head in mm-hmm. his career. I liked it again. For me, the scariest part was being surrounded by like 20 naked octogenarians. <laughs> 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 this movie's layered like so many. The Satanist part, I don't feel like that scared me either as a kid. Cause like you said, we both kind of knew like, we did not really buy into that or get scared by that. It was more just like kind of kitsch at that point, like cults, satanic cults. I yeah. mean, I don't think we thought of it as like a real threat to us in any way. No. Especially when they're all like, look like people that were at my church, you know? Yeah. Like my grandma's friends. They acted like they were at church. They, they, well, I were. Guess they were. It was yeah. just the, the Satan church. Yeah. It was a different church. The book is from 67. The movie's in 68. The book is based in like 1965 and 66. Yeah. And then like Anton LaVey started the Church of Satan in 66 or like became popular with it or like what was going on in the world and Mm -hmm. that would lead to this and like how did what was going on in the world influence how this movie was like received. It was pretty popular, I think. So I'm sure that people were horrified and offended by it but still like drawn to it how upset some people must have been oh my god (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, you're basically saying uh, you're giving a vision to people that Satan is born on the earth. And then it opened the floodgate for all these other Satan movies. Yeah, it did. So, um, I don't know. I feel like this movie, it's like there's so many things. There's like commentary on organized religion and society and women's rights and marriage and reproductive rights and so many things in this one movie um like where do you begin what do you think it was like if you had to pick one theme that you think it was like a commentary on could you pick one well I really think okay I've always seen this movie as a way of explaining to men, how brutally they treat women. And the weird thing about a lot of Polanski's films is that they do seem like a critique on how men treat women. And they show the horrors of men oppressing women's bodies from the woman's perspective. What Rosemary's Baby really says to me is this is how it feels when a woman has no say in her life. There's a claustrophobia through the whole movie, even though there's all this light, so it's really disorienting because there's so much... She makes everything very light and fresh in the apartment, and then this force comes in. Whenever women, like back then, coming up through the 60s... This happened to women all the time. If you take out all of the cult stuff, they were controlled by their husbands and their by, uh, you know, their parents, which in this case, the neighbors, Mimi and Roman are like the parent substitute substitutes that you don't have any say over your body. You, you are told what to eat and what to drink. Uh, all of your... All of your packages and visitors are monitored by other people. I mean, this was just like common for women for, you know, what, thousands of years. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So that's really what I get out of this. Is like, I hope that when men watch this movie, they keep in mind that like this claustrophobia that you feel watching this movie, this terror this body horror that you feel women fucking walk around with this body horror 24 hours a day, sometimes depending on their circumstances, especially when they live in places where they don't have access to birth control or uh, any sort of reproductive care. We didn't do like a summary. Oh yeah. Summary. I feel like you should do it since you watched it. I guess I assume like everybody's seen this movie, but that's probably now like a quick, yeah, okay. So basically this couple, the guy's an actor, uh they're married. This woman, Rosemary, the guy's uh guy. <laughs> uh his name's Guy. Um guy's an actor. He's not very successful actor. Uh they move into this apartment building that they got a really good deal on and um the neighbors are these Roman and Mimi and they're like in their 70s. Um, they are very nosy 
and keep coming over. And Rosemary doesn't really like them, but Guy suddenly hangs out with them all the time. He also gets a big break and gets a part because he was understudy for a guy who conveniently went blind, allowing Guy to get this part. As we progress through the movie, Guy continues to get more successful in his acting career. Rosemary is pregnant now, and she's very sick all the time. The neighbors force her to eat and drink things and to wear stinky herbs around her neck (laughs) that she has no interest in. Um, So she looks like, basically looks like a corpse for part of the movie. And then she quits drinking all of the stuff and like starts asserting herself and realizing that these people are not what they seem. By the end of the movie, she's given birth to like the son of the devil, you know, Um, like the son of God, but the son of the devil. And that's who she, and she's essentially the satanic mother Mary against her will. Guy's career is on a grand trajectory. And at the end of the movie, she ends up taking care of the son of the devil because she is the only one there that's actually has any love. And if she continues to take care of this creature, he's not going to be what everybody wants him to be because he's still part human. So that's, so to me, like the end of that movie was like, love is still going to conquer. She's got a big job ahead of her. She still has a mother's love and he has a face only a mother could love. (laughs) She'll get used to it eventually. Oh my god. His eyes with um vertical slits. Yeah. Maybe uh, he'll grow out of it. Maybe. Like most babies are born with blue eyes and then they change. So maybe his yellow vertical slit eyes will change <laughs> over time. Who knows? <gasps> oh, hmm. Okay, yes, good. Thank you for the summary. I mean, I think everyone knows it by now. It's like 60 years old, pretty much, <laughs> but just in case. Right. And move into this fancy apartment, and it's like he's doing Yamaha motorbike commercials. So, yes. but apparently that he's doing really well with it. I just did the money converter while you were doing the summary just to see because it said they put down a deposit of two months. And it was like 560 something dollars. And in today's money, that's $5,000. So it would be like $2,500 a month for that apartment, which is like a really good deal. Yeah. You work for like a giant apartment. So yeah, they were getting a good deal. The previous tenant died of a coma, Mm -hmm. mysterious coma. And she had moved a giant wardrobe up against this closet. And Rosemary thinks that's weird. Rosemary's a really good detective. Yeah. Um, and nobody, out, nobody outsmarts her for long. 
Like as they're looking around the apartment and you see a letter that's partially finished mm. from the previous tenant and it says like, I can no longer associate myself or something like that. And yes. then it ends. And so then, you know, like, oh, she was part of the cult and she was going to leave because she couldn't associate herself with their activities anymore. And then they used their powers of the coven to induce a coma in her. You know, Rosemary's like, let's make love. Okay, and then they have this really long, drawn-out, awkward scene where they both separately just start taking all of their clothes off so that they're... But it takes a really long time, and they don't get up. They stay on the floor as as if, like, they don't really want to expose their bodies to one another by standing up and undressing. And mm-hmm. then... It feels very robotic and like they, I get the sense of like, they don't really know each other, even though they're married. I noticed that it took a really long time to undress, especially for him. I was like, okay, the mood is passed by the time you're finished undressing, dude. You're eating tuna sandwiches or something on a bare wooden floor. And then she's just like, hey, let's make love. And it's like, and then they just put their sandwiches down and start slowly undressing. And she's so bony like I feel like it would be uncomfortable for her I mean guy won't care yeah I mean he doesn't care (laughs) you know he's an in and out guy yeah the reason I also to bring this up is because when they finally do connect and they're nude and they are start making out he says he like turns to her and goes shh I hear the Trent sisters chewing Mm-hmm. And it's You're like, right. it's so creepy. It is creepy. So he just like stops and makes a joke in the middle of it. And then that happens again later at some point. He like makes a joke when they're starting to make love. I feel like he has no ability to really connect with Rosemary or really anybody else in an emotional way. Mm-hmm. He's always performing. I have a hypothesis on now on why contact paper has fallen out of favor. And I think it's because it has featured prominently in two very demented satanic movies, Rosemary's Baby and Amityville Horror. Exactly. She lines this closet that had been covered up by the previous tenant with this checked, like, yellow, white checked contact paper. Rosemary goes downstairs and meets Terry, this woman who's around her age, and she's, like, happy, and they they click. And then Terry tells her that she lives with Mimi and Roman, who are the neighbors, the older neighbors and how great they are and how they saved her life. She was like on the streets doing drugs and how they gave her this charm necklace. But it's kind of weird because it's really stinky. Like the next day, Terry jumps out of a window and kills herself. She seemed so happy the night before. And they had agreed that they would both come down to the basement together to do laundry because they both felt so creeped out when they were down there. Mm-hmm. So they're planning on having like a friendship growing. Rosemary and Guy had gone out to dinner or something, and then they're walking back, and then they see this big crowd in front of the building. 
And the policemen are like, stay back, stay back. And of course, they guy has to get his face up there. And then they look and they see Terry on the sidewalk, all covered in blood. Minnie and Roman just come like casually walking up the street like, oh, what's happened? And then they find out who it is and they act upset and surprised. But then there was a note taped to the window. So like, oh, it's a clear suicide, you know, obviously let's move on. And um, so then I was wondering, like, was it a suicide? Did they do it and then like sneak out? And make it look like they weren't there? Or did they use their witch's coven powers to make her do it? What do you think? I I guess I have a I guess the backstory I made for this is that she was f- finally presented in some way with the plans of impregnating mm-hmm. her with the devil's baby, and that she couldn't take it because she thought these people were like her grandparents that had saved her, but actually they just want to use her as a vessel for evil. Right. So that, that would make you, I think that would easily send someone over the edge. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So I guess I thought it was either that or that she found out their scheme and they, and was not into it. And then they just had the coven, do their little thing and that made it like where she maybe one of them even pushed her out. One of the other ones pushed her out the window. Yeah. I think it's like the first thing you said, because then that night when Rosemary's going to sleep, she can hear them talking, but it's like incorporated into her dream, which, you know, that happens sometimes and you kind of hear things, then you incorporate it into your dream. And so in her dream, she hears the voices of her neighbors because their apartments are adjoining um, she hears Minnie and Roman, and in her dream, she sees like Minnie's dressed as a nun, and Roman's, I guess, a priest. And then Minnie's saying, "Like I can't believe you're the leader of anything, and I knew you shouldn't have told her. I knew she wasn't ready or something." So, like, I think they did present her with the plan, and then yeah, she just felt so upset by it and hurt by it completely abandoned because she knew they were really just using her she didn't have any other family but a brother in the navy so that was sad and so then they're like great now you've got to start all over perfect rosemary's here her husband's desperate for fame yeah okay here's the other thing though did guy know about this coven before they moved in he like met them one time like they had they hung out one night and then he's like you know what i'm gonna get a tie i'm gonna procure a tie for your cult so that you can make a guy blind so that i can get a good job Mm -hmm. like who does that after meeting somebody one time so maybe that maybe he had already been recruited into the cult or something before mm-hmm. they even moved in. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. She was like really talking him into moving in there, but that could have all been an act. Well, every he did go back like the second time. So like they went for dinner together. And he was like, I don't want to go. Once you talk to old people like that, you'll never get rid of them. <laughs> <laughs> but then they did decide to go to dinner with those two. And then the next night he went back without Rosemary. Yeah. And he was like, oh, because... 
Roman said that he had like all this history in the theater and everything. So he was going to talk to him more about it. So I think he like Roman maybe kind of proposed some ideas to him the first night. And then he went back the second night without Rosemary to like finalize, like, yes, I'm in, let's do this. Mm-hmm. And then while he was over there, then Rosemary just wanted to spend a night alone reading a book and listening to smooth jazz. And then Minnie and this other woman come over and barge into the apartment and just start like knitting in her living room. (laughs) So they're already keeping her prisoner. Like before she's even pregnant, they're like taking over her life. Yeah. They're, they're making her a prisoner. And because she's been trained to be totally polite and compliant, Mm -hmm. she has to go along. Yeah. So maybe that was like a test for them to make sure that she was like pliable enough that they could just, railroad her women in this era were probably already used to being controlled she said she was catholic um which just kind of implies i would say at that time that she's already used to like following instructions and not questioning things and being like a good girl oh not wanting to get in trouble by the nuns at her catholic school and things like that so she's already primed to go along with it. And I think they said sometime in like when she was having her dream hallucination thing while she was like listening to what her neighbors said, or at some point they said like, it has to be a Catholic. Did you hear that? Did they say that? Uh Okay. Which is another reason why like the other girl they had chosen before was Italian. So you just kind of like assume that she's probably Catholic too. Totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it has to be a Catholic. I wonder why. Well, because I think it's because the um, the tradition would be all of the devil worshiping is all based on the inverting everything about the Catholic Church mm-hmm. and all of its ceremonies. Yeah. Because that's Excellent. really how the Catholic Church sold it during the witch, witch hunts. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, she was fitting the bill. Um, Yeah, and so she was already used to just, like, going along with everything. Women at that time, like you said, were already used to just going along with their husband's will. And she was so, like, meek and mild. And she almost had, like, baby talk, but, like, with a weird accent. Yeah. Her voice was, I don't know. I I don't like baby talk. It was really weird. Yeah. I I mean, I know I don't sound like her, but this is the only baby voice I can do. That's enough. It's really hard for me to do it. I mean, my voice, I know sometimes I sound like a chipmunk, but I don't (laughs) talk like a baby. (laughs) I can't help that. Rosemary gets a present when... yeah when Mimi and the other lady come over to keep her prisoner and lo and behold it's the charm with the stinky herb in it they wiped all the blood off of it yeah oh god so then after Guy gets back home Rosemary's like I don't want to wear that it it smells really bad. It smells moldy. And Guy says, 
you'll get used to the smell. If you took it, you should wear it. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I didn't take it. They forced it on me. And no, just because someone gives you something doesn't mean you have to wear it every day. Well, and also like Guy is constantly telling Rosemary that her reality isn't true and that her feelings aren't the right feelings and that she needs to get different ones so that he can stay feeling as comfortable as possible. Mm -hmm. Everyone's feelings are more important than hers. Like you don't want to hurt their feelings by not wearing this, even though it came off of your dead friend and it smells like garbage. Yeah. I think that's what made it hard for me at first to know, like, is guy in on this or is this just how he treats her anyway? Because it's so plausible that she would have been treated like this anyway during that time or even now still of just being controlled in all of her decisions and actions like so it took me a while to realize like is he doing this because of the cult or just because he's a controlling jerk (laughs) yeah and then finally it became clear but um (laughs) yeah so you just see her like talking to her friend Hutch in the beginning, like after they've been in the apartment for a while and she's like, Oh, it's, you know, it's understandable. He's busy with his roles and he's just not paying any attention to me for a while because of that. And then you see like a theme over and over where he just like completely, like completely neglects her. All he cares about is his career. And then he'll come back and be like, I've been a real jerk. I'm sorry. Here's some roses. Uh, I know I shouldn't be like this. I'll change. And then like he does for a while and then it happens all again. And then finally he's like, let's do it. Let's have a baby. And she's like, really? And he's like, yeah, really? And he's like, I've even picked the date. Like he's marked on the calendar already, like when they should do it. And he like knows when her period should be and everything. They're Catholic. So she probably wasn't using birth control. So they would use like the rhythm method. Yes, you're right. They would both be aware of it. Okay. True. Yeah, totally. Um, Um, All right. So yeah, he's picking everything. He's picking when they're going to have a kid. He's picking the date. And he's like supposedly doing it for her because she wanted, they want to have three kids. But really then we find out he's doing it for his own selfish motives. I feel like there's a lot of times when Guy, I think he's definitely somebody who has always treated her this way. And this is like classic abusive behavior of you pay a lot of attention to her. You shower her with attention and love. Then you devalue her and you make snide comments and you joke and you basically tell her that what she feels and thinks isn't true and doesn't matter. And then whenever she starts to pull away from you or confronts you, then, and you realize you're going to be abandoned and you can't, you know, deal with your own emotions, then you try to lure her back in 
with promises of change, gifts, lifestyle changes, da da da, and then you reel her back in, and then the whole thing starts over again. Mm-hmm. And this is like if you took everything else out of this movie, you would have a portrait of a woman in an abusive relationship where she's not actually getting hit, but she's being trained to always fall in line with his wants and needs. I think you're right that this would have been happening anyway. So the whole like cult thing just kind of fit in well because he already was controlling what she did. So it was easy to get this work done. So he's spending all this time with these people. We don't know it yet, like, but like we're suspecting, yeah, he's on the cult side. And then he decides they're going to have a baby. And then they're having a romantic dinner. And then, of course, there's a knock at the door from their overbearing neighbors. And then he's like, damn it. And he acts like he's upset. And then he goes to get the door. And then she hears it's Minnie. And she's got chocolate mousse for their dessert. And chocolate mouse. It's chocolate mouse. <laughs> oh my God. That's why they were talking about the mouse. <laughs> oh my God. Cause I was like, did they put a mouse in it? But that's just how she was saying mousse. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Forget I said that. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. And then, so he brings it to the table and he's just like, well, here's dessert. We didn't have any. Now we do. Let's try it. It's her new recipe. And then he's glomming his down. And then Rosemary's like, mine doesn't taste good. It has like a chalky aftertaste or undertaste, she says. Mm-hmm. And he's like, there's no undertaste. You're crazy. And just like another thing of like, you're wrong. This isn't really happening. Yeah. Eat it. Yeah, they get into an argument over her whether she's going to eat her dessert or not. Like she's a child, and then she's like, "Fine, I'll eat it if it's going to be a big deal." The drug is in the chocolate mousse. Even at that point, I was still like, didn't know for sure that her husband was involved. Right, I was like, maybe it's going to affect him later because he's bigger and he drinks more. You know, like oh right, like they're just going to make him pass out and then yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought for a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then, I mean, then the ultimate terrible scene happens. She's, well, she's raped. Yeah. He takes her to bed and he's like, you drank too much. So it's her fault. She oh, can't no. hold her liquor. And then she's laying in the bed and she, he starts undressing her and he's, she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm getting more comfortable. And she's like, I am comfortable. Like I'm fine. And he's like, no, we need to take your clothes off. And it's like, it's her husband, so you don't feel as creeped out by it. You're like, okay, he's just getting her more comfortable, really. But then she goes into this whole, like, dream sequence. It's not a dream. It's in and out of, like, consciousness and lucidity, and all these weird things happen. Well, before we get into the serious stuff, I just want to say that there's a chenille bedspread alert. Definitely. And Sarah and I both have chenille bedspreads. And we didn't know that we both had chenille bedspreads. <laughs> I was loving that. Um, but so we have this dream sequence because, you know, she got partially drugged. So she is kind of loopy, but she still has consciousness here and there. 
and it's like there's this party on a yacht we have to make a baby all the nude octogenarians chanting around her she sees for just a second she's it's like she's being moved and then she crosses that checked contact paper shelf very briefly mm. you see it right so you, so you know she's getting carried over into the other apartment building and then at one point the pope is there and she's like she's like asking for forgiveness because she can feel the evil that's happening mm-hmm. and i think that's why like her her savior appeared to her and then she says at one point she's like this is no dream this is really happening she asked for forgiveness and i thought how many times have women been raped when they thought it was their fault and that they were the ones that needed to ask for forgiveness okay this is the grossest fucking thing and also how much i love john cassavetes uh <laughs> are you gonna talk about the morning after yes okay wait let me talk about the oh yeah go for, for a second uh-huh. So there's a woman that comes down the stairs and she's like a Jackie O lookalike. Isn't that yes. weird? Why? I wonder where that comes from. I guess just because of the times and and she asked her like, is the music okay? And do you want something else on? And then Rosemary's like, no, it's fine. Don't change it on my account or something. And it's just like, she's like in the middle of being raped by the devil and she's still being like, no, don't worry about me. Like, you know, being accommodating to everyone else. And I'm like, that just... That's it right there. <laughs> She's yeah. a true lady. Oh my God, you're right. That's probably why Jackie O like presented that to her because Jackie O is like a true lady. Mm-hmm. And then there was one other thing. It looked like Abraham Lincoln for a second, like up on a pedestal. Then Dr. Saperstein is named Abraham. So I'm like, maybe that was Dr. Saperstein there. And she just like interpreted it as Abraham Lincoln. I don't know. I was just trying thought, to go through her dream. I thought it was Mikado the roman's dad oh yeah 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 maybe that was him that makes more sense (laughs) i was like what is abraham lincoln here but then i'm like well jackie o is here so who knows (laughs) and then at one point in her like hallucination drugged state it's like she's in the elevator too because she sees that red light so i'm like was it happening in the basement but then she does go into their apartment so then i'm like is the elevator operator in on it too oh yeah totally he's part of the Um, whole God, when she's on that yacht, like at the beginning of it. Yeah. And they're all wearing those like captain's uniforms. And then I think that's when someone says like, sorry, Catholics only because Hutch was like left on the dock and they yeah. were taking her away from him. And then I wanted to know if this was the inspiration for um, Sea Org from for L. Ron Hubbard. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might have been. <laughs> I love that. Because he, I'm sure he saw this movie. <laughs> I, I love that. he incorporated that part into his gig. He was like, he was like, that Roman is such a gentleman. <laughs> he liked their outfits. <laughs> I like this. <laughs> okay. 
now, the morning after. Okay. Rosemary thinks that Guy had sex with her while she was passed out, and she's super grossed out by it. Mm-hmm. And he says... For she sees all these scratches on her arm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then go. Oh, and then he's like, he's like, sorry, honey. Didn't want to miss baby night. It was kind of fun in a necrophile sort of way. Asshole. Yeah. He doesn't understand that the people around him have feelings. People are there to accommodate him and to make sure that he never gets his emotions dysregulated. So he's constantly depending on Rosemary to keep his emotions regulated by her regulating her emotions into oblivion so that she's a (laughs) fucking robot. Mm -hmm. And so it's very easy to take the next step of putting her in a situation where she's basically a sacrifice. Yeah. To his career. Also interesting is that this is, was made by a man probably treated his wife a little, at least a little bit like Guy treats Rosemary in this movie. And while simultaneously being able to beautifully demonstrate the repercussions of such treatment to women. Yeah, I mean, so then it just like, okay, she's pregnant. It happens through rape. She thinks it's through rape by her husband, but really it's rape by Satan. And then she tells him that she's pregnant because she goes to the doctor and gets a blood test. So she's very happy. And then when she tells him, he's like, the first thing he wants to do is go tell Minnie and Roman. She's like, okay, um, sure. I don't really want to tell anybody yet, but go ahead. And then, of course, they barge in and take over like instantly. Minnie uses her herb garden to be like, I'm going to make you these drinks every day. Blah, blah, blah. And it's really good for the baby. And you can't see your doctor. We're going to get you our doctor. And so it's like control for everything. And they're like, he delivers all the society babies. <laughs> I'm like, oh. I picture a baby coming out with like a monocle and a cigar and a top hat on. Like, I'm a society baby. But it's like all of these things would be, they're just basically, I'm picturing them, yeah, like her in-laws, like in-laws from hell, right? Where they're just like, oh, okay, I'm taking over your life now from here because I've already done it. I know what to do. I've raised kids. You listen to me. Isolate her from friends. Isolate her from information. Tell her what to eat. Mm -hmm. Tell her where to go, which is nowhere. Yes. Tell her what to do, which is nothing. Monitor her correspondence. Uh-huh. The outside exactly. hmm Looking at her mail all the time. Controlling what she eats. hmm Everything. Yeah. And then um, they celebrate her pregnancy by having a drink, which I love. <laughs> I know. I thought that was so funny. <laughs> she just keeps drinking throughout but so yeah then she goes to their doctor and he's like i don't want you to talk to any of your friends and i don't want you to read any books i'm just like perfect reading is bad like that's 
reiterated so many times throughout the movie of like, don't read. It's just going to worry you. It causes hysteria. (laughs) Sarah. Yeah. Just stay in the dark. Just lay in bed until that thing that we want pops out of you. That's really all we care about. You are a vessel. Yeah. That's it. You're the vessel and then you're the milk bags. And that's it. Bye. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) So the one thing she does to like assert any type of um, agency or decision in her life is to get that haircut. Yes. Which is like iconic haircut by Vidal Sassoon. I mean, everyone knows this haircut. Mm-hmm. And they all, of course, hate it and just dump all over it and make oh, her feel bad. It's so terrible. Her husband's like, that's the, the worst mistake you've ever made in your life or something yes. like that. And it's like, he did. You know, the worst mistake is marrying you. <laughs> this is the second worst. <laughs> Either he had a huge personality change that she's just like rolling with or this is how it's been. This is how it's been. Yeah. This is how it's. Been. I wholeheartedly because if if you were if you were somebody that had like this kind, loving, caring husband, and he's he just suddenly snapped and started like talking to you like you were a complete imbecile who had no agency. I I don't think it would go over the same way, mm-hmm. and because she doesn't suspect him at first. No, she doesn't. I think he would be more suspicious if mm-hmm. he didn't act like that. Um, yeah. But I was thinking about, you know, the doctor's visit of how back in the 60s and previous and probably even in the 70s, um, a lot of times if, if a woman had like a, a disease – they would tell her husband and not tell her. Mm. <laughs> That's normal. Or like how um, women would go to an, a psychoanalyst and then the psychoanalyst would call the husband and give him a report. <laughs> which was also... Or like how uh, all a husband needed to commit his wife to a mental hospital back then was a doctor who would just agree with the husband that that bitch is crazy. Mm -hmm. Even though really she just wants a divorce for extremely valid reasons. (laughs) Yeah. Like. (laughs) That's yeah. Not that long ago. These things were happening. (laughs) So all of this is like pretty plausible, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's another reason that this movie was even scarier back then. Mm-hmm. Because you got to really experience the claustrophobia of what it was like to be a woman and to not and be, to be told that your body is not your own. Oh, you know, the other thing. OK, so the, there were two things that really just stood out to me and like just get me every time. And it's when. Guy makes the comment about the necrophile comment. And then also Hutch comes over for a visit and he is like, 
the voice of reason and he's like this is not right like you don't you don't look okay like everything is fucked up you're in constant pain this is all weird stuff and then she you know starts to feel some relief and then like somebody's hearing me and believing me the neighbors see hutch and they're like all of the sudden they leave and then all of the sudden guys back home and he's got his makeup on he rushed home and that to me was so creepy when he comes rushing in like i feel like that's the moment where if you hadn't suspected guy before that's the time Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah i think i was suspecting him at that point i kept going back and forth So I'm trying to remember when I was like, finally sure. (laughs) I think by then I was. (laughs) Um, So yeah, they see that Hutch is there and they're like, oh, there's someone over. We've got to insert ourselves like immediately. And of course, unfortunately, Hutch like reveals his suspicions in front of Mr. Castabet's Roman. Mm -hmm. And so then Roman's like, oh, we got to get rid of this guy. And then Guy rushes home and he gets Roman or he gets Hutch's coat for him. And then in the Hutch is like, oh, is there another glove in there? And they're like, no. And so then we realize one of his gloves is missing. And then we realize that Guy took it because they need it. You have to have a personal item from the person for the coven to work their magic on you. And then they find out that she's going to meet Hutch the next day because Hutch has something to tell her. And so as soon as she tells that to Guy, then you hear him like go out of the apartment. He's like, I need ice cream. Do you want some? And then you hear the doorbell ring next door. So, you know, he's going to talk to the neighbors. So then at that point, then I definitely knew. (laughs) Maybe it took me a while to be sure. (laughs) But then I was like, okay, yeah, he's definitely in on it. (laughs) Okay, so Guy, pretty much as soon as the night she gets raped at after the night she gets raped guy is really withdrawn from her and like will barely look at her and whenever he's talking to her he's always like kind of his eyes are off somewhere else and just he's acting squirrely you know and she says at one point you haven't been looking at me you know like she's mm-hmm. exasperated And then he says, sure, I have. And I thought, (laughs) what a great, simple example of gaslighting. If you wanted to know what gaslighting was with a really mundane example. Look, I'm looking at you. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. He's just a jerk all the time. And then I guess it's intensified then, but. He's a jerk from the get-go, you can tell. Yeah. So at one point, then, like, after she's been in isolation in this building for so long, she's like, I'm having a party. Then he, then Guy's like, I don't know, is this a good idea? You should ask Dr. Saperstein. And she's like, why? It's just a party. Like, we'll have help, and it's not a big deal. I want to do it. And then Mm -hmm. he's just like... I don't know. I feel like you should ask him. And she's just like, no. 
later she wanted to get a second opinion, like after the party. And he was like, what's Dr. Saperstein going to think? You're going to hurt his feelings. <laughs> like everyone's feelings matter, but hers. Exactly. But they're just like, don't want her to have a party because they don't want her to have contact with anyone outside of themselves. And so when her friends get there and then guy tries to butt in and he's just like, I got to put these glasses away. And they're like, you can wait. And he's like forcing himself into the kitchen and her girlfriend's like blocked the door, mm-hmm. which was really cool. They just like yeah. get her alone and they're like, we need to talk to her. Yes. And they're like, this isn't right. Tell us what's going on. And it's like, just a few minutes of support from her friends and it's like everything turns around and she gets like the courage to say like this isn't right I need to do something the but then the pain stops I know as though the the creature inside of her knew to stop moving mm. to stop being a demon and start faking it so that she would be compliant Okay. Like Is that, that what happened. I, I felt like it was like that's the moment that the thing inside of her became sentient. Sentient? Yeah. Yeah, became sentient. Okay. And then it yes. went, I better calm down. That makes sense because she had quit drinking the drink from Minnie like three days before. But then I was like, she quit it three days ago. Like, why would the pain stop suddenly? And it was when she was really threatening to go to Dr. Hill for a second opinion. Guy. So the baby starts moving at that point, And then guy will not go near Rosemary. No. He's like grossed out by her, which I mean, you know, she's carrying the spawn of the devil, but it's like, dude, you did it to her. Yeah. And I think that that translates into like how other men would be with a normal pregnancy anyway, especially during that time. That was common, right? She just be like, oh, like you couldn't even show it on TV because it was so, it just, people couldn't handle it. You couldn't and say the guys pregnant. would, you couldn't say pregnant even. God. So yeah, Lucille Ball was the one that was like the first woman to show pregnancy on TV, I think. Oh, wow. Good for her. Yeah. But yeah, so he's repulsed by her, like because she's different, because he knows she's carrying the baby of Satan. <laughs> but I think in general, there is some like fear and repulsion for men when their wife is pregnant anyway. Sometimes, not for everybody, of course. Like, so she's like, oh, I'm so excited. Like, it's moving. It's, she's so happy. And then he's like, I got to clean up this mess. He like doesn't even acknowledge her or hug her or anything. It's like, we just need to move now because the party left a big mess and that's all he's caring about. He's always like, look what you, look what an inconvenience you are to me. Mm-hmm. Now that I made a deal to get a popular <laughs> acting career going by giving a cult your body as a vessel <laughs> for, for the devil but you're putting mm-hmm. me out bro yeah <laughs> oh my god okay can we talk about for a second the horrible things he said about her friends when she was just like my friends you know they've all had babies and they're telling me this isn't right and like this pain shouldn't be happening and that i should get a second opinion and he's like they're a bunch of not very bright bitches who are to mind their own business 
husband of the year. So when she's in one of the doctor's offices, she picks up Time magazine and then the cover of Time says, is God dead? Yeah. And I was like, oh, was that really a cover? Oh, I was going to look that up too. And I forgot. Yeah, it was. I looked it up. It oh. made me think of the Elton John song when the New York Times says God is dead and the war's begun, like the Levon song. Mm-hmm. I should look that up too. But yes, this was really a cover. It was in 1966. I just looked this up tonight before we started. And it was pretty controversial. It was their only cover to not have any photo, only text. Oh. And basically it was like in the year before they had done an article similar. And it was about theologians struggling to make God relevant in an increasingly secular society where science was solving the mysteries that were previously explained by religion. Like at that time, a lot of people were still religious, like a much more large percent than now, but it was becoming like increasingly secular and like, you know, Vietnam and all of that and communism. And so the article wasn't really as controversial as the title, but I mean, it's clickbait. Totally. (laughs) Yeah. So um, I feel like that was a good time for this novel to be set. I guess that kind of like inspired Ira Levin to Mm -hmm. take on this theme. I don't know. Right. Um, She finally starts getting the information because Hutch gives her this postmortem, gives her this book. (laughs) Postmortem. Yeah. (laughs) and all of them witches it's called and it's like a history of this building and like the cult that's in the building in the witches of eastwick it was like showing how powerful women could be and how how self-embodied a woman can be and then this movie is like the opposite of that rosemary gets to dr hill and she's like i can tell dr hill the truth and he's gonna help me because he's not connected with these people and he he humors her and you kind of you think like oh my god he's gonna like take her seriously but Mm -hmm. then he tells her to go lay down and then the next thing you know dr saperstein and her husband are taking her and dr hill's just like dr saperstein is an elder for Dr. Hill. He's well regarded in the community. And you wonder, why is he so well regarded? Maybe it's because he's been practicing manipulation magic to further his career. Oh, and you know, Hutch said that he had delivered two of his grandchildren. Yeah. So he does regular babies too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I was putting myself in that position and put yourself in that position if a woman came in and told you that, like, her neighbors were witches and she was raped by Satan. You know what I mean? Yeah. If someone said these things to you, would you just readily believe all of them? Well, I think what I would do is I would um, marry them and then write a book with them about how it was all <laughs> like they do in Michelle Remembers, but that's just me. They say that she has like prepartum hysteria or mania or something. And it's like... <laughs> That can happen. Like, mm-hmm. there definitely is psychosis for some people. So, 
I mean, maybe that's what Dr. Hill thought was happening. And so he thought he was doing the right thing. Yeah, I think he's just in the cult of patriarchy. <laughs> yeah. I love the scene when they're just like all ushering her out. And it's like, thank God these men were here to tell this pregnant woman what to do. One of us mm-hmm. will yank her by the arm and the other one will walk really close behind her so she can't run away. Mm-hmm. And then shove her into a car driven by another man, a dentist. So he's a doctor, so you have to listen to him, too. Whenever she was talking to the doctor, Dr. Hill, about what's happening to her, I'm like, this sounds like the Geraldo special on devil worship. Mm-hmm. Did she mention any air balloon rides? <laughs> <laughs> or being flushed down a toilet? Yeah, Chuck Norris was definitely involved. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln was there. <laughs> this goes okay. back to Lincoln. <laughs> Goes all the way back. This conspiracy goes all the way to the top hat. (laughs) 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 Oh my God. I don't know. So yeah, we're coming to the culmination and then it's like, she uses her wits. Like you said, she's on top of it. Yeah. They're getting her into the building and then she spills her purse and then they all go to pick it up for her. And then she uses that as an opportunity to run. She gets an elevator to get up to her floor. She's going to try to get to her apartment call her friend she gets in there she calls her friend but her friend's gone and then you see one of them like run behind her to take oh, into so the creepy. apartment that was so creepy Ugh. i guess they came in through that closet door yeah they told yeah. yeah i mean luckily she passes out so she doesn't have to consciously go through whatever happens next she wakes up guy is there and she's like where's the baby and he's just like oh he's fine whatever and she's like it's a boy and he's like yeah and then she like falls back asleep, right? And then the next time she wakes up, she's like, where's the baby? And then they're like, Guy and Dr. Saperstein come in and they're like, the baby died. There were complications, but don't worry, you'll be able to have another one really soon, which is like exactly what a woman wants to hear after oh, yeah. she finds out her baby's dead. It's like, she okay. want to immediately think about having another one. Here's the, another example of gaslighting. Yes. The ultimate, say it. They tell Rosemary her baby died. And then Dr. Saperstein says, at the hospital, I might have done something about it, but you wouldn't listen. Mm-hmm. So the doctor just blamed Rosemary for the baby dying. Of course, the baby is not dead. And the baby is the son of the devil. Rosemary finally like she keeps hearing the baby cry and she sneaks in and then she's like the whole cult is there and the baby's there we don't see him which I'm really glad they didn't make like some yeah tacky horror show baby so you don't see the baby but you see Rosemary's reaction but then it's crying and by the end of it she's just like I cannot deny another creature's pain and that's empathy. That's it's like I know that ending's like a real bummer, but it's also like showing that against all odds, like you can have empathy and that that's what makes us human. And Rosemary is the only person in this movie that is strong. I'm glad they don't show it too, you're right, because it's better to leave it to our imaginations <laughs> and the special effects that were available at that time would have just been corny and just lowered the level of the whole oh. movie. 
eventually like softens. And so you feel like, yeah, she is going to go ahead and provide care to this poor little creature who didn't ask to be the spawn of Satan. I mean, it's not his fault. And he's also half human. Right. That's right. And if he grows up with a mother who is a full embodiment of humanity and probably the only source of like real love and nurturing that he'll ever have in that group, then in my mind, he still has a fighting chance Mm. at being, Mm -hmm. maybe he would be the son of the devil, but that doesn't mean that he's evil. Right. That's true. His name's Adrian. It's like a nature versus nurture. <laughs> Will Rosemary nurture the devil out of Adrian? Find out on the next episode of Cover Your Eyes podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. At one point, I don't quite remember where, in, but Guy, so Rosemary is like, you know, in trouble and in pain, clearly in pain on multiple levels. And she's asking for guys help, you know, again. And he's like, I got to run now and be famous. Yeah. He's like, who would say it? I mean, I mean, actually, a lot of people would say that now. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then like at the end, when they're at the party, the party to reveal the baby and she stumbles in on it and sees She's coming to grips with what's actually happened. And then Guy comes up to her and he's like, oh, Ro, because he calls her Ro. And he's like, you know, we can have another baby after this, like a normal one that's not half Satan. The doctor said it would be fine. And then he's like, you know, it's just think of it as like you had a miscarriage. It's not that big of a deal. And then he says, you haven't really been hurt. <gasps> Ooh, yeah. And then she spits in his face. Yes. <laughs> the only Asian man in the cult. He's taking pictures. The only one taking pictures. How far back does this bullshit go? I know. I know. I wrote it down. I'm like, do I even want to bring this up again? How far back does this go? It's been, like, one of my biggest pet peeves in movies since, like, 1989. Yeah. And apparently it goes back to the 60s. When did this start? Like, I don't know. I don't understand. How did this start? How do you feel about about what has happened uh, in the process of this? Movie? I mean, I think we've, we've done what we can do for now. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> Other stuff is just random. I like how when they have a party at the end, their floor is just covered in cigarette butts because it's like their friends can't be bothered to find an ashtray. <laughs> it's like they just put it out on their beautiful hardwood floors. That's a really good point. Can you imagine? <laughs> Filthy pigs. Some friends. Looks God, like that like- was right. When Rosemary goes to see Dr. Saperstein at one point and she's like talking about the terrific, the horrific pain that feels like a wire tightening inside of her for like months now. And he's always just like, 
it's going to go away in a day or two. Just keep taking those shakes and not talking to anyone. And then she's like, well, it's so painful. Could it be something like an ectopic pregnancy? And then he's like, ectopic. I thought you weren't going to read books. (laughs) That's my favorite. Uh, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I found out that, so, you know, Mia Farrow was married to Frank Sinatra and she was married to him at the time of this movie. Yeah. She actually already had that shorter cut before the movie. Mm Mm-hmm. And she had given it to herself at first. She was on Peyton Place, which I forgot. I've never seen it. I always hear about it. I want to watch it. But anyway, so she wasn't like originally who they had in mind for it. Because in the book, it says it's like an all-American milk-fed woman. And they wanted someone like more hardy and substantial. But the guy who like owned the studio wanted Mia Farrow. Roman Polanski didn't, but it ended up working out really well. And he was happy they had her. Mm-hmm. But while she was working on it, Um, It was taking longer because Roman Polanski was like taking forever. And she was supposed to be in a movie with Frank Sinatra called The Detective. You already know all of this. And then it was taking so long she couldn't do both. And then Frank Sinatra was like, it's me or him. It's this movie or me. And she was like, well, I guess she was like raised in the industry. And it was, you know, she was too professional to just quit a movie halfway through. And so she's like, well, I'm not quitting this movie. And then he served her with divorce papers, like, on the set of Rosemary's Baby. Mia Farrow escaped being in a relationship with Frank Sinatra before Mm -hmm. it was too late. Before he stole all of her youth. Yeah. And I guess the movies opened on the same day. (laughs) And his, like, was like, and then there's, like, a huge box office hit. (laughs) So there. And then another random trivia, I actually, like, in one of the cities I was living in, they were having someone who used to work with Vidal Sassoon come to a salon in town, and they wanted, like, hair models, and so I got to get my hair cut by him. (laughs) It wasn't Vidal, but it was, like, the guy that worked with him in the salons and, like, trained with him. Yeah. So I got, like, a Vidal Sassoon bob. Whoa. I know. I'll find pictures. Yeah. Um, Anyways, and then... You know who they wanted instead of John Cassavetes to play the husband? Who? Or John Cassavetes. Uh-huh. And then it's like so similar to the name of the neighbors. Yeah. Weird, isn't it? Castavet. Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. Uh, well, you know and also his name's Roman. I know. Was it Roman? Like, was that the name in the book? Or I don't. They- I was trying to remember because I've actually read the book and I couldn't mm-hmm. remember. Um. Okay. But but the way that Ira Levin writes, he writes almost like you could just basically straight up adapt adapt like adapt the his novel to a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh both Rosemary's Baby and The Stepford Wives, uh the original book in that movie. too. Mhm. They go know. very well together, like they're they're co- very complementary. Uh, wow. Yeah. He seems cool. Yeah, he does seem cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So they wanted it to be Robert Redford. Can you imagine? <gasps> that would have been heartbreaking. I know. I'm For so glad it wasn't. Oh, my God. 
Oh, that would have been good. What would that have been like? Oh, it would have been like, oh, it would have, maybe, ooh, you know what? Maybe it would have been a box office failure because people don't want to see Robert Redford, Robert Redford be <laughs> a monster. You're right. Yeah, I think you're right. Can you imagine, though, like him saying it was fun in a necrophile kind of way? No. No. <laughs> okay. That was all. That was a trivia that I got from that. Um Okay, fun. Let's see. Question. Have you ever had like really nosy neighbors that just insinuate oh. themselves into your life? Yes. Very good. I feel like that's happened to yeah. a lot of people probably. Oh yeah. That's a great question. And it's like, what can you do? You can't get away from them. They know when you're home. Yeah, they totally know <laughs> when you're home. So you're stuck with them. Mm-hmm. So if you've had that, let us know how it turned out. Were they nice? Were they evil? Was it fun at first? And then it became too much? Mm. Anything? Just tell us about it at podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Um, Remember to rate it and give us a review if you feel like it and subscribe. Um, We enjoy making it and we hope you enjoy listening. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. See you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Cover Your Eyes Podcast. <laughs> oh my <God>. Fiber-rich <laughs> foods or prebiotics are the number one gut-healthy thing you're not eating enough of. According to the USDA, more than 90% of women and 97% of men do not meet their recommended intakes for dietary fiber. Supergut makes getting this essential nutrient back into your diet easy and delicious with award-winning foods that are clinically proven to boost gut health and all that comes with it. Go to supergut.com and use code Ethan to save 20% on your first order. That's S-U-P-E-R-G-U-T dot com, code Ethan to save 20% on your first order.